listening to The Badass Lady Folk. I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. And because I had two of my female guests flake out on me, one of them lovingly and adoringly, it's fine, still cool. Uh, I actually have a guy this episode for the first time ever. <gasps> His name is Aaron Gold and I'm dating him. What? Nepotism, kind of? Yeah, just fucking-tism. Uh, so... <laughs> So Aaron is going to talk about being a good guy and a feminist on today's episode because, dear listeners, as you are quite familiar, that is something I ask every guest, are you a feminist? And I am always surprised by who says they are and who says they aren't. Uh, but that's my first question for you, Aaron. Are you a feminist? Duh. Like, I feel like the... The idea of, oh, I'm not a feminist. Oh, I don't believe women deserve the same rights and opportunities and protections as men. That's just like saying, oh, no, 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 thank you. I'm a racist. Like, it's, it's, you're an asshole if you're not. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. And I was of that mindset forever. Now I have a little bit more empathy as to why somebody would push back and I think the main reason and the main people I see pushing against that label are women of color. Mm. Almost always women of color. I very rarely hear white women say I'm not a feminist these days in progressive circles. right? Yeah. But I'll hear black women. I'll hear some Latin women. Not so much Asian women, actually, um, in any type of Asian group. Uh, but just... I'll hear them say, and they've said it on this show, I don't identify with that label because feminists tend to be white, upper middle class women who went to Ivy League colleges, or at least that's their perception, right? Yeah, or can that. can be the perception. Like those are the people uh, running a lot of the conversations in organized spaces that have money to do stuff. So it's kind of like what happened with the term liberal, of that being that not really meaning liberal values as much as uh, relatively status quo-esque with like a little ho-hum like, yeah, we should do a good thing. But, you know, the red tape. Whereas now I would identify as a leftist and not liberal. Though if somebody called me liberal, I wouldn't be like, how dare you? Like, it's... If we're going to, if they, if it's deserving of a correction, I'll say I'm a leftist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, f I feel like that's not exactly the equivalent. I still feel like the people I hear calling themselves leftists tend to be college educated and white. Not always. I don't know anything then. Okay, yeah. cool, great. I've well, done a great you're, job of selling man, myself as a good guy. <laughs> you're huh? a man on this show, so it's fine. You're the, all... <laughs> the bar is so low for me. It is very low. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, so how did you become a feminist? Why? I mean, I... What beautiful woman told you you better be a feminist or I won't <laughs> sleep with you? <laughs> uh, I don't think any. Like, I, I think I just, you know... I grew up, I, I had two wonderful parents who were not uh, together, uh, and I liked my mom more. <laughs> I still love my dad, he's great. Uh, but, I don't know, like, it, it doesn't even 
feel like it okay. was my mom. It just it just seemed like a no brainer. Like, don't maybe it's part of like I grew up Reformed Jewish, which is like the the most lenient form of Judaism, and like to the point where I once asked my rabbi, "Hey, should I be keeping kosher?" And her response was, "Do whatever you want." So <laughs> that's like my religious upbringing. Uh, so I I don't. No, if I ever Okay, thought... but I'm going to push you. Go so when it. do you think you started using the term? Do you think it was high school, college, after college? Probably high school, early college. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And did your mom identify as a feminist? I believe so. She, okay. She's no longer with us. Uh... Christine obviously knows that. This would be a hell of a time for me to tell her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, she, she, I think she did. Yeah. But you don't remember her explicitly saying, I am a feminist. No. Okay. Interesting. All right. You like social media and everyone can follow Aaron on Hey, It's Aaron Gold everywhere on all platforms. <laughs> uh, Do you always give all your guests such a full hearted endorsement? <laughs> I'll say it with more of a smile next time. <laughs> Less reluctance. <laughs> You're a man on this show. I am. You're a man on this show. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> for all of it for all of it we're also dear listeners recording in our apartment that's how last minute uh desperate this episode is a man in the apartment not in the studio not in the recording not even asked to be there he just was there already <laughs> he lived there oh convenient <laughs> I need a body to interview. Geez, something that talks. I don't want You'll to. Do. I don't want to run an old episode on Radio Free Brooklyn after they put so much faith in me and took me back. Yeah, and to to watch the you had multiple people cancel on you this week <laughs> in just some the less classy way. To watch it from this point of view has been. I love you. A little entertaining, but. <laughs> What, my desperation? I wouldn't say that. Or how entitled. So (laughs) how entitled I get. (laughs) I I don't think it was entitlement. I think like because you're the host of a show, you have responsibilities to get a show done. And people who said, Yeah, I'll do it, both like bailed at recording time. Yeah. And anyone who's been on that end of things as I have been, or I think anyone who can Stretch an ounce of empathy knows that's friggin' frustrating. Oh, can I? I can curse here. It's yeah. fucking frustrating. It's not the real radio. It's internet radio. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never come for us, coppers. Oh, actually, uh, speaking of which, I should tell everyone what you are, not just who you are. Aaron is a comedian and an actor and a podcaster and my boyfriend, who's a good guy feminist. Uh-huh. Okay. So I was getting to your social media consumption. I'm also tall. Yeah, whatever. Don't brag. Okay, so I was getting to your social media consumption because it seems that's where many people find out about social justice news and movements these days. And I know you are one of those people. Hi, hello. So can you tell me uh, what it is you like about social media in terms of learning about social justice stuff, including Uh, feminism? 
for one, I love seeing uh, videos without, like, spin. Or, I guess, everything is, is spun, but with less spin than you tend to get uh, from major news outlets. Uh, I like... I like the boots on the ground vision. I also feel like it's often not watching its tone and not afraid to call out people or places in power that need calling out. Whereas, you know, the Washington Post will not call out Bezos because Daddy Bezos on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still will read articles from Washington Post every once in a while, but, like, it's not... I also don't get Washington Post articles interspersed with cute lizard videos. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice, like, up and down, get pissed, then, oh, but look at this baby panda. <laughs> In your feed. I got a lot of baby animals on my feed. <laughs> okay, I remember early on when we started dating... You asked me how come I didn't do Facebook or Instagram lives when I was walking home alone places or if I was in a place where I felt kind of nervous. Um, I, I, I very well might have. I don't think I was like, why don't you do this? No, this not, not like, like an accusatory way yeah. at all. No, more like a supportive suggestion kind of way, right? I feel coddled. I feel coddled right now and the best of ways I feel supported and loved and seen and heard yeah you yeah because you had seen that on social media you had seen women post videos of them just walking home late at night right and they had recorded a Facebook live or or whatever some kind of video yeah Um, And they had done it as a safety measure so that someone would stop harassing them or be less likely to harass them. Yes. Seemed like a smart, smart plan. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about what other things... Well, I was going to say, I remember you saying that that was smart, Mm -hmm. right? That that was a good strategy. And it also reminded you of how much it can suck to be a woman in public and how we have to watch everywhere that we're going all the time and we're never safe and it's so sad and sometimes I can't breathe. Um, So what, in what other ways has social media opened your eyes or at least reminded you of how much it sucks to be a woman? Boy. Or helped cultivate your empathy for women and non-men, just in general, you know? Uh, there have been a lot of social experiments I've seen women do online. I remember, like, what was it, not a few years ago, that a woman walked around New York City in a t-shirt, just t-shirt and jeans, and uh, was secretly recording everyone who catcalled her and how often it happened. You know, and I've walked with you and notice it in real time. And you say that me being there decreases the number that that happens. And I believe it. Uh, I think it just, it's a great 
daily reminder of checking my privilege because yeah, you know, my perspective is so limited. I, you can be as quote unquote woke as you, you can try to be, but like at the end of the day, if you're not taking in other perspectives, you're, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get smarter. You're not going to know more about the world and how to be a person in it who doesn't actively burn things down around you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a big dude, so I'm used <laughs> he to... He is very big. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 6'2 and, and pretty wide. Uh, I'm used to taking up a lot of space and knocking things down or, or bumping things without trying. So I think, like, just a lifetime of mentality of that transfers also into, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin anyone's day by just me being ignorant. Yeah, and that's something I also noticed and appreciated about you early on was how aware you were that you could be perceived as scary or threatening yeah, yeah. It took me way too late in life to know that if I'm having a disagreement with them, with somebody, I need to sit down because otherwise it's like a, I'm looming over someone. I, I, there's a lot of life lessons I regret learning late, uh, and that's one of them. Well, not that you're 90 years old. You're no, in your 30s. I just turned 35. But, like, also, you know, I, I, I am a feminist, but, like, that doesn't mean I haven't fucked up i've also been a dude in my early 20s so i've been a jackass uh and i just don't it's not a good feeling and i don't want to do that to anyone I, yeah essentially every day i just don't want to ruin anyone else's oh why do you think so many men cat call uh i think lack of empathy mixed with uh the toxic masculinity that it permeates every level of our culture. Like, I think it's for a lot of dudes. I, take this with a big grain of salt, because I am not someone who has experienced a bunch of catcalling uh, or done it. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's one of the reasons why I'm asking you, because you've said I don't get it. I think it's I think it's performative on some level. Like, I think it's the act of doing it feels like, yeah, I chatted up so many girls, but like, that's not really chatting them up if you're chatting at them. <laughs> but I think it's like a thing you can tell yourself or others. Um, I think a lot of guys just don't know how to think empathy first especially when it comes to women who they want something deep from uh or women that they want something physical from i think that a lot of guys just have ingrained i want so i take i want why is it not taking i did the wanting yeah you know so what do you think it, and I would love to hear from experience too. What's an appropriate, respectful way 
to express romantic and or sexual interests in a woman you don't know or barely know. Like, uh, for don't know, if it's like on the street or something, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't approach a woman you don't know on the street. Yeah, because like, I... If there are any dudes listening, it's very easy. Just think, would you want a dude larger than you to come over to you and do that to you? And if the answer is no, don't do it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm so glad that you said that because that is my belief. Yeah. Uh, that there's not an appropriate or respectful way to do that. That it's going to be scary or at the very least irritating yeah, for the woman. Especially in, I feel like, a major city like New York, everyone's going somewhere. They have something to do and a time to get there by. And when you are that focused on where you're going, you don't want some rando to go like, hey, nice cankles. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and also living in a place like New York City, don't you already have access to opportunities to socialize with women in so many ways where you would get to know them a little bit before just randomly asking them out. When I was single, that's why I loved dating apps. Like, I never really approached people in bars. Uh, If we had mutual friends, then I might, you know, try to talk through that. But I liked... The idea of dating apps because everyone here is agreeing in this space to see who you match with. And that's, that's where we're, that's why we are here. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just, I don't like it when anyone talks to me when I'm trying to go somewhere. That's, that's podcast time (laughs) or music time. Don't interrupt music time. The Front Bottoms just came out with a new song. I'm going to be listening to that on repeat. Don't get in my... Come on. Okay, so speaking of dating apps, what do you think are appropriate, respectful ways to express interest and ask for a date with someone you've matched with? My strategy, I guess as you'd call it, would be uh, I'd, I'd always ask a personal question not like super probing but like something from someone's pictures or something someone wrote if it didn't prompt me with a question i would be like all right well i'm not really interested in this person i'd move on but uh i'd ask whatever that question was and i'd try to word it funny and then you know if the conversation if i maybe uh we had a couple of back and forths after that if like on the third or fourth time i'm writing something I feel like this conversation is going somewhere. That's when I'd ask. Because I view dating as not like... I just view everyone on different wavelengths. All vibrating at different speeds and uh, all the different, you know, terms for wavelengths. (laughs) Uh, And all you can do is try and find someone who mostly matches up with you. You can't force your wavelength to change to someone else's or vice versa. And also that's fucking exhausting. Yeah. So it's just, you know, everyone is just trying to find who you vibe with. And then from there, great. 
we'll see if the other things stick, like compatibility, setting things we want in life. Uh, but, you know, if there's that je ne sais quoi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the note of how you start those conversations, I remember you specifically asked if you knew me from the Magnet Theater because there was something about theater or performance on yeah. my profile. And then, yeah, there were just follow-up conversations. There was back and forth about shows and stuff that I was working on. <laughs> not not like it was a business. Well, now I make it sound like it was a job interview. But... I mean, kind of. Like, I mean, didn't it? The, uh, like the first, first time you're talking, you're seeing who fits the right position that you are looking for. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, as you talked, I found myself getting more and more interested. I was like, oh, damn, she does all this kind of art. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I am so drawn to that. So what suggestions or observations would you like to share with listeners on the show who uh, might be using dating apps, might be interested in men? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think, I have, I don't think this is the place for me to give advice towards men, huh? <laughs> no, uh, no, because our, my listeners are women and non-binary folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Non-men. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, first of all, uh, if you have the urge to block, block. Like, you don't owe anyone your time, especially a stranger on the internet. Uh... Also, this was during the pandemic, and I really dug doing first dates over Zoom. I know a lot of people were like, oh, no, but I thought, like, we're both already in our comfort zones. Nobody's wasted time in transit. We get to save money. I already have whatever drink I want right here. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> and I don't have to put on pants. The best. Like, I thought a great Zoom date for a first initial thing is is a great way to... See if you click, and if some guy is going to be like, Oh, you want to Zoom? Uh, unless you're just looking for a good time, then <laughs> great. He's done you the job of... He's done you the favor of letting you know he isn't worth your time. Yeah. Because uh, that's not an unreasonable thing to ask. Yeah. Well, actually, on that note, what are some warnings or signs, however you want to frame this, for women on dating apps that a guy might be a misogynist or a creep, not a feminist, does not have women's best interest in mind? Oof. Um, I think if the profile is generic and everything written is generic, then expect the person to be generic. <laughs> I think, you know, if they aren't saying anything that has substance in this brief window to show themselves, or they aren't showing you any anything new that you haven't seen, there's maybe a chance that they'll surprise you, but statistically probably not. They probably aren't on the level that you are looking for. Uh, I think when it comes to... A lot of misogynists, I think they'll let you know pretty quick. <laughs> uh, okay, but how? Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes yeah. 
it's uh, okay he clearly doesn't have a high opinion of women and probably is also a bigot when it comes to anyone who's gay anyone mm. who's trans and like a long list of other i don't think it's it i don't think it's outside of uh the rules of dating these days to like within their first couple questions you can just straight up say like hey by the way i didn't see anything on your profile that hinted to this how do you feel about lgbtq plus people like (laughs) straight up ask see what they say because their either answer or lack of an answer will tell you what you need uh you know ask them straight up how do you feel about i don't know people of color uh, Equal pay. Yeah. How Maternity do you leave. <laughs> or if you're really cool, how do you feel about late stage capitalism? You, you in the pro or anti category? Uh, I think ask your questions to find your comfort. Yeah. Be direct. Be direct. Absolutely. Every every level headed dude I know who dates loves directness. Yeah. You know, and that they don't think that it's being mean. If you aren't. There's a way to do pointed directness, but there's also just your perspective. Yeah, I have found many women feel that they're in this position of performing for men, auditioning for the role of girlfriend, and that is misogyny in action, right? That's the patriarchy in action you should not be performing anything at all you should be yourself if you are going to have a relationship with this person you need to be comfortable with yourself absolutely one thousand percent like and that includes and is especially the things that make you weird i think i told you on on our maybe our first or second date i was like all right we're vibing straight up Pro Wrestling, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, D&D, comedy podcasts. Pick two to tolerate, and the other two I will do my best to shield you from. It was texting after our first date, before the second one. Yeah. Yeah. And and like that... And you had already touched upon those things during the first date, but in that text conversation made it explicit, like... These are passions of mine. Yeah. These are always running through my head, one of these four things. <laughs> so those times when you're looking at me wistful and you're like, hey, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about that, like, really cool uh, lariat that John Moxley gave some dude that turned him inside out. Like, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I'm thinking about, man, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be great. I can't wait to hear Cosmo the Dog talk. Like... <laughs> Yeah, so be your weird, comfortable self. Yeah. Because if your intention is to be in a relationship, why are you going to spend all this time pretending? Yeah, it's exhausting and also doesn't get you what you want because what you want is acceptance and love and comfort. And you don't get those if you're putting on a front. Yeah. You can't genuinely get the thing you want if you're not being yourself genuinely. And also, like... There have been, I've been on many dates where, you know, I, it just wasn't vibing. Nothing wrong with that. No one's fault. Sometimes people are just not gonna sync up like that. And I still like thank them for a lovely evening. 
and just made it clear, you know, that either I wasn't interested or they made it clear, you know? <laughs> there will be no second date. <laughs> yeah. There, there have been times I was dating someone and uh, I, I knew that, you know, you're aware how much you're clicking if you're self-aware. And, you know, they've, I've had a couple of uh, instances where women were like, hey, can we, can we talk? And I was like, oh, are we done? Oh, okay, yeah, no, cool. I'll get my stuff and get out. Thank you for being direct with me. All right, bye. <laughs> like, because, I don't know, part of it is getting secure in your own body with your wants and needs. And part of it is just knowing deep down that I don't want to be with somebody who isn't excited to be with me. Yeah. Well, going back to that idea of performing or auditioning for a man, it just makes me think of all the ways that non-men make themselves smaller mm. in society, that we don't take up as much space sometimes. And sometimes we do that because we literally don't want to be seen, right? Like we want to hide. We don't want to have a body. We want to disassociate <laughs> and like not exist on earth and be an alien in outer space somewhere. And then other times, um, yeah, it's just so, it's so socialized. There's this pressure to, to not speak up, to not do what you want to do. Yeah. It's, First of all, thank you for uh, putting it as not wanting to have a body. That I hadn't heard before, and that's very that that gives me that that gives me a, a nice perspective I hadn't had. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely not something I came up with. It's mm. something that I have heard in many conversations with other women. Wow. Just not wanting to be touched not wanting to be sexualized, not wanting to, yeah, to just only be seen for physical attributes. And obviously there are times for that, um, but I think one of the, not I think, I know one of the main differences uh, between how we're socialized and, and things patriarchy is that, uh, yeah, it's just harder for women to exist without being seen physically and sexually. Yeah. Uh, whereas men are allowed to occupy all these different roles and not be seen that way. Like even someone uh, like Brad Pitt or George Clooney, who plenty of women would want to sleep with or at least have some kind of kiss, you know, some kind of romantic something, <laughs> sexual hold something hands with. with. Yeah. yeah, hold hands with. <laughs> Lightly pet. I don't think I've established this. I'm eight. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, you're in trouble. This has been a sting this whole time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they, even Brad Pitt and George Clooney, I'm sure can sit in a business meeting where people aren't necessarily undressing them with their eyes yeah. the whole time. Whereas it, it can often feel... As a woman, it's like, I can't even go to the fucking grocery store. And it doesn't matter what I'm wearing, right? It doesn't matter about hair, makeup, anything. I could look like a garden troll. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. Um, there's just someone who wants to fuck us always, everywhere. And 
uh, sex can be great, right? But it's not always great. And, and it's, it's not for you. Yeah, especially for for many women. Like, I think all of us have sexual experiences that we wish we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, there are men who have negative sexual experiences. I'm not saying that they don't. But it's not as much of a given. Yeah, right. Or the negative reasons weren't necessarily like were more circumstantial than personal yeah yeah like men often come right men we do <laughs> yeah where's this been my whole life yeah or uh there are people who might actually want to get to know you and not just have mm-hmm. sex with you and then have zero contact with you ever again right like or, or there are people who will have uh, sex with you and actually check in. Yeah. Make sure that you're having a good time. That this is not just for their pleasure. And I, I've been... I've been all of those at, at my 35 years at various points. Uh, and the thing I've found is, you know, as long as the communication is honest and direct about what you're looking for in that moment... No worries. But if you do want one of those things and the other person wants something else, be it more or less, adjust expectations and communicate. So, like, if that's not a place you can comfortably go, then don't. Yeah. Well, again, on the note of auditioning for a man, um, I think many women are not honest about what they want. Mm. Right? Because... They've been socialized to not be direct in that way. Um, I know women who have said, like, I've been trying to have a serious relationship for years and it just never happens. Like, guys will take me out and then it just never goes past a certain point, right? Like, there's interest. People are interested, just not in something more serious. And then I've also heard... uh, about women who are like, everyone's trying to wife me up. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't, you know, it's seen, it's assumed that they want to have a serious relationship yeah. so that when they do just want to fool around, it's not happening. Everyone's like, hey, next steps. And they're like, no, I don't. They have to, they have to be explicit. Yeah. Um, but it's hard for many women to be direct from the get go. Instead of, like, waiting until it's uh, too late. Yeah, oh, damn it, I'm meeting his parents next week. Yeah, yeah. I, I obviously can't speak to that experience. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of needing of self-awareness no matter what, you know, your gender or sex is when it comes to being an or like a good partner be it for a a short time or a long time i think like and sometimes that takes experimenting to find out what you know does and doesn't work for you and there's nothing wrong with that i think like if if your goal is relationship I would advise, like, 
truly asking yourself what about the relationships that you're looking for you're not getting in your current day-to-day. You mean in other aspects of your life? Yeah, because I think that might help shine a light internally on why you're feeling X, Y, or Z is missing. Yeah. And why you're looking to fill that with X, Y, or Z. Well, I think for for many women, there is a socialized aspect of being raised as a little girl who's going to one day have a wedding, yeah. right? One day become a mother. So there are all these milestones that we're groomed to look forward to from the time we're like four or five years old. Happily ever after culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... Depending on cultural background, socioeconomic background, educational level, um, some women are looking for a provider from like, mm-hmm. again, from a very young age because that's what they've been socialized to want and think that they absolutely need. Um, yeah, but I, it can be hard to decide like I'm happy in these ways and I like these things about myself and Mm -hmm. I'm independent in these ways and can get my needs met uh through xyz and I don't need another person just for the sake of having them yeah (laughs) just to say look I have a boyfriend look I have a husband I did it I did it (laughs) check the box why am I not complete automatic date for yeah. all occasions, <laughs> forever. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Again, like if that's what you're looking for for a casual time, for a little bit, as long as everyone knows what they're getting going in. But yeah, I think it's got to be so fucking difficult to battle back against that kind of social programming and conditioning. Yep. Because it's everywhere. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Geez. Okay. So. What are sex and gender issues that you've become more aware of in recent years? Um, I think dating stuff we've covered in many ways. Yeah. And how that's not equal in so many ways. But what about other stuff? I remember working at an escape room a few years ago. And uh, a friend was looking for a promotion and another friend got it. And they were curious about the pay difference that, you know, someone was about to get. And it sparked a, a talk about, like, what we're all making. And I've never understood the idea of not sharing that with your coworkers because, hey, someone might be getting screwed over. Also could be you. Like why not <laughs> why not just put things out in the open so you all know like you're I never saw an employer as my friend because I know that I am on the receiving end of money and they are on the receiving end of goods and services. So Yeah, no, that's strictly a, a tactic that's meant to benefit the corporation. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. And especially for non-dudes who are often paid less. Like, that's a great way to keep everybody in line. Yeah. Uh, Don't let the women know. (laughs) mm -hmm. So I've 
you know, taken upon it to, to talk about whatever I'm making on whatever job. Uh, I've learned more about... Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, so in that escape room job, did you find out that some of the non-men were making less? Or, like, did it reveal anything about gender differences? I don't think it did in that instance. But you just had that in mind. Yeah, it was like a small sample size. I think there was like four of us. And the assistant managers were reluctant to share, but did. Um, I mean, I remember... I worked at a magazine in my home state for years, for almost five years. I worked there in college. I worked there after college. Even when I left the job, I still freelanced for them as a writer. And I started there when there was one executive editor. And then he left. He took a job at another magazine in a bigger city. And then... The publisher did not automatically promote the managing editor, which was a little bit surprising um, because often that's what happens in those situations. Like, okay, this person is second in command and they've been here for years. They know how to run the show. And if they want the promotion, it should be offered to them, right? Some people don't want that promotion for whatever reason. They like doing their current job. They don't want to go to the next level. Maybe it's too much responsibility. Um, Maybe so, it's a line between job and career. Yeah. So I found out that the second in command, who was a woman, was never even asked if she wanted the bigger job, if she wanted to be executive editor. Instead, they. Um, had her they, they had that position just stay open what for a long fuck? time for about a year and then they added all the responsibilities that the executive editor had had to her plate so she was doing her job and the previous guy's job I'm and no she pay. was not getting paid any extra Jesus Christ after one year a year of proving, hey, I can do both of these jobs, she was offered the executive editor position for about 20 grand less than, than the executive editor had been making. And to be clear, both of these people were similar in age. Right? I mean, I think it would still be ageist because it's about responsibility. What did she do? She stayed in the job for eight years Jesus. because she want her dream was to be the executive editor of a lifestyle magazine. And this was the most popular magazine of its kind in the state. It mm. was something that everybody who liked luxury lifestyle in that state knew like they read this magazine it was in the grocery store it was at barnes and noble you could subscribe to it you would find it at doctor's offices it was regionally very popular so yeah she got to live out that dream at the cost of twenty thousand dollars less than her predecessor had been making plus a year of that plus a year yeah what the what i 
I'll never understand why so many people with money are so reluctant to spend it on the people who make them more. Yeah. That it. Late stage capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit off topic. That was yeah. all, all just to to share that experience of, hey, woman doing the same job and actually more. Yeah. <laughs> and getting a woman doing two people's jobs. Significantly less money for it. <laughs> okay, so I like to notice you notice kids and that sounds creepy but i mean just share observations about children and like raising kids um so i'm curious about what thoughts you have about how we can raise little boys to be better men um how we can raise little girls and non-binary kids to be stronger to take up more space as they grow older and become adults just anything or anything you've noticed about how kids today are different in terms of gender stuff than we were when we were little i feel like and you know this is coming from a not parent not child educator yeah, uh, so it's it's not an informed perspective in that sense, but you're nope. still like a I human. Stop a white man before. Yeah, you're still a human adult in the world. Yeah, who's going to be affected by the generation coming up? <laughs> I feel like the younger generations are a lot more aware of inequality and injustice than ever before. I feel like, you know, it's it's easier to know. Hey, bullying is bad. (laughs) Don't do that. I used to get made fun of so much for being into Pokemon when I was a kid. I'd have been king of the fucking castle. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I, I have high hopes for this generation. I think when it comes to us raising them, I think don't raise them too differently. Or raise them based on whatever their interests are. You mean don't raise genders yeah. differently? Don't, yeah. Or, or base it on biological sex. Yeah, I yeah. think that no matter what, there will be biological sex lessons to teach them about the world and how to treat others. But on the whole, like, like the idea of blue is for boys and pink is for girls was always a little silly to me. Like... They're colors. <laughs> they're, they're fucking colors. That you don't have, have to gender them. Like, yeah, and the the gender associations have changed over time. Yeah, some girls they're... like blue, some boys like pink. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything other than, hey, you like this color. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I guess I guess you'll be dressing in this more. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, I think... Also, the most necessary lesson for young men would be to learn how to apologize and learn that it's not the worst thing in the world to admit, hey, I was wrong, I hurt you, I'm sorry, here's how I will be working on it. I think there's a lot of power in that. And you feel better and it sets you free of a lot of bad feelings, and then you learn something. Oh, isn't that nice when we learn something? Like, I I won't fault someone for making a mistake because 
God knows I've made a bunch. But most of the time I've been able to learn something from them. Right. Well, and however that expression about making a mistake once or twice is yes. a mistake, right? But beyond that, it is a pattern. Yes, absolutely. It is a habit and you need to break it. <laughs> I think teaching little girls like that they can say, no, that makes me uncomfortable and scream it if they need to <laughs> is a necessary skill for this broken world. Unfortunate, but true. Okay, cool. Enough about kids. All right. So back to you. Uh, how do you think you could be a better feminist? Who boy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Attacked in your own home. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going anywhere, right? <laughs> uh, how could I be a better feminist? Yeah, or in what ways do you know? You don't have to be super specific, but just what are gaps in your knowledge what are areas for growth what are things you wish you knew more about what are things you're trying to do better to be a halfway decent human being an ally i'm still for a long time before the pandemic i uh started walking around for like a year or two with a couple sizes of tampons in my bag, just in case anyone I knew, like, had a bad day and needed one. But I never knew how to, like, let them know, hey, I've stocked up. <laughs> you can come to me if if you're having, you know, whatever. Wait, where, did you buy these? Yeah. Or... <laughs> you bought tampons at the store and just kept them in your backpack or yeah. messenger bag? Yeah, kept or... a few in my bag of, like, two different sizes, just because, you know, everybody different. Um, <laughs> and I think that was, like, well-meaning of me, but not practically the smartest. Yeah, because what? You were going to... If somebody seemed irritated, be like, yeah. hey, well, here's a tampon. <laughs> my, I was trying to tell people when they were in good mood so there was no chance of them thinking I was saying anything. Um, I, I think it's like little things like that that are nice in thought, but in practice there's got to be a better way. And I think I, I have gaps in my knowledge there. I try to be very well-meaning. But I also don't get embarrassed the same way a lot of people do. He has no shame. I, I, I've got shame. It's just very, very minuscule. <laughs> and if someone tries to embarrass me with it, I'm like, oh, it, are, is this an attack? Well, then, here's the other shit. Now use it against me. You can't. Uh, That's what's great about being bullied as a kid. Oh, yeah. It makes you so resilient as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, file, look, nothing can be worse than what they did to me as a child. So I, I, I've told you this story. Like, I remember, because uh, I had a, a verbally abusive ex-stepfather. And once we were in the kitchen and he looked at me and said, when I was like 15, you know, Aaron, if you were my real son, I'd kill myself. And without missing a beat, I was like, can we pretend? <laughs> it's the best comeback of my life. And once you've done that to, a, like, a 64-year-old man in Mensa, like, it's hard to get, it's hard to get to me. <laughs> it's hard to say a thing and have me go, like, that's it, you know. 
Well, I wish more women felt that kind of power. Yeah. I wish more women felt like I can talk directly. I can let things roll off my back. Yes, what? You have a, I want to say something face. <laughs> you may speak. Thank you. Uh, this could just be my perspective, but I found uh, the night... I don't do stand-up anymore, but the night I did a set talking about, you know, my ex-stepdad and, and other shit that I had sworn not to talk about because of pride or because of embarrassment or whatever, I walked off that stage feeling lighter and set free. I think there's a lot of power in getting on a stage in some form and sharing it out loud. I think stand-up's a great way to do it, but, you know, there's also poetry. I think there's also uh, just storytelling. I think taking the thing you fear and proclaiming it on a stage, there's no therapy quite like that. But also yeah. go to therapy. <laughs> there's power and vulnerability in making God, yourself yes. vulnerable. And yeah. strength. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll let you do it since you mentioned things adjacent to it. You want to plug You Are Not Alone? Well, because it's such a, it, it seems like it's such a burden for you. <laughs> what a glowing recommendation of me and my art. You're a man on the show. <laughs> How long are you going to throw that in my face? <laughs> well, we're 53 minutes into 58 minutes. Okay. So I only have five more. Is that the math? Yeah, five more minutes that mm -hmm. I can. Uh, you Are Not Alone, an uplifting show about depression, is a little baby of mine. It's been running for eight years now at the Magnet Theater here in New York. Uh, poets, storytellers, musicians, comedians will share about a five-minute uh, piece of, you know, something. And that is in some way inspired by mental health. And that will inspire improv from a cast of improvisers who also have something in their brains and we're never making fun of what we just hear. We're just using it to inspire new ideas and break the tension that might have been created. Uh, it's a beautiful show. It's one of my uh, proudest things I've ever been uh, associated with. Uh, I, will, I will quickly say, uh, I know many women have this idea of improv being a bro-y, fratty thing. And it can be that yes it can this show is not that no it is very welcoming it is a safe place to be a woman and any kind of weirdo <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my goal with the show is always uh every show i i want no matter who you are in the audience to be able to see some part of yourself on stage and i like to have that reflected in the cast uh yeah, and it's not just depression. It's really any aspect of mental health. Oh, yeah. It, like, I'll always say at the end of the show that no one is ever not depressed enough to do the show. Because why gatekeep that? And where would you? Like, <laughs> oh, you're no longer on antidepressants? <laughs> Sorry, you can't sit with us. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> so if you think you count, you count. So how can they find out more about the show, Aaron? They can follow Yana Comedy, uh, or they can follow me at Hey, it's Aaron Gold on all the things. Uh, and our next show is 
Friday. May 19th. May 19th at 10. I love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And my other podcasts right now are either on hiatus or haven't come out yet or won't be out by the time this airs. This airs. <laughs> but he's on places on the internet. Yeah. And you can find him and his work. Yay. So thank you for being my first ever man on Badass Lady Folk. Thank you for uh, dragging you off the sofa and into the middle room. Whatever. You volunteered. I did. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is lovely. All right. Thank you, dear listeners. I do have to close out the show. You've been listening to Badass Lady Folk. I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. And my lovely guest today, my first ever man, was Aaron Gold. Hi. Sorry I have a penis. (laughs) Bye. Tune in next Friday, 9 a.m. I will be here on Radio Free Brooklyn every, every Friday, 9 a.m. And on podcast platforms at sporadic times. Okay, bye for real.